everyone. We have a beautiful day already to enjoy, much different than yesterday. Someone told me I think it rained more than three inches, and I believe it. I went out in the yard and measured it. Just kidding. I don't think you measured exactly that way. We've been looking at how to pray, why to pray, uh, what to pray, who to pray to. We've sung already this morning about prayer. And that's us speaking to God. And of course, through the Bible, God's Word, He speaks to us. We call that communa, yeah, communication. I, we communicate when God speaks and we listen. And we communicate when we speak and God listens. We know that God hears when we pray. We know that through faith. Because He told us He hears us. Why else would God in His Son Jesus Christ, through His appointed writers in the Holy Bible, God's Word, why would He say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Why would Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, instruct us to talk to God in prayer? If it wasn't true that God would listen. So God hears our prayers. When we open our heart and our mind and our lips to talk to God in prayer, He hears us and He answers our prayers according to His will and to what is good for us. Do you always get what you want when you ask God for it? No. And aren't you glad about that? Because there are some things in my past that I have prayed for. And I remember praying to God for certain things and then thanking God later that He did not answer my prayer according to my prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you did not answer my prayer according to what I prayed, but instead gave me what I really should have had all along. Thank you, God, that you are so much better than me. You are smarter than me. You are better than me. You are wiser than me. You are more righteous than I am. You're perfect. I am imperfect. I think I know what I want. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I'm thankful that God answers my prayers according to His will and His desire based on what I need in my life at this particular time. Sometimes I've prayed for things and did not get what I wanted at the time I thought I wanted it. Sometimes my prayer was answered many weeks, months, years later. And I can look back now and go, this is God answering the prayer I prayed five years ago. Sometimes we think that God can just snap His fingers, and it'll all happen. 
And you might be thinking, well, Brother Mickey, isn't that true? I mean, God spoke and the worlds were created. Well, not really. It took God six days to get everything in order. He didn't just speak or snap his fingers and everything appear. We have in Genesis chapter 1 the order of God's creation of all that is and in the universe. On the first day, he did this. It took him a day an e um, um, from morning to evening. And he waited, rested. I say he rested on the seventh day, but what did he do during the night? Questions that we have. We know the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third day. Fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. And then God saw that everything was good and he rested on the seventh day and declared that day a special day. Think about what God has to do to answer your prayers and mine. You've probably, if you've been a member here long, heard me use this illustration. One son of God is a roofer. And he prays that it might not rain so he could get the roof on the house. Over here in another part of town is a son of God who's a farmer. And he's praying with everything in his being for rain. And so you have one of God's sons praying for it not to rain and one of God's sons praying for rain. What can God do? Because if it rains, this son of God is praising the name of God. This son of God is saying, God must not even hear my prayers. Why should I even pray? I've prayed for it to not rain and so I could get this roof on and it's just raining right now. If God goes the other way and causes the rain to hold, then the roofer, what is he doing? He's praising God on the roof, looking up into the sky, blue skies, going, thank you God, I know you always hear my prayer. And he's, he's uh, nailing the roof on or he's uh, uh, putting those uh, staples in that roof. Thank you. While the other son, the farmer, is throwing dust in the air, going, See, I pray and I pray and I pray. What good is it? You see God's dilemma? If one brother's saying, you know, he's not answering my prayer, one brother's saying he is, or vice versa, God has to provide for all of his children, and indeed the entire world, according to his will. Maybe he'll let it dry up for a little while to get that roof on, and then it'll pour down rain. Try to please both sons. And not only that, but you have other sons in other parts of the world and daughters who are praying for this, that, and the other. How can God ever manage what you want and what I want and what we all want versus the needs in the big picture? So you and I pray, and we're going to be like Jesus at the end of every prayer. Lord, I know you've he heard my prayer, and I pray this prayer that your will be done and not mine. Lord, if you know something better than this, by all means, do it. 
but I'm going to love you and praise your name and maintain my faith in you whether I get what I think I want or not. So far, we've looked at the demand that we pray. We have looked at a description of prayer, intercessions, supplications, thanksgivings, and communion. We've looked at the direction of our prayer. A prayer is prayed to God in the name of Jesus Christ or by His authority because God the Father has given Him all authority and we're to pray for everyone and everything. We're to pray in everyone and in everything. You might be saying, now Brother Mickey, you're asking me to thank God for my temptation? Jesus said, in everything give thanks. I don't know that he said, for everything give thanks. I am not thankful to be tempted. But I have found that I'm stronger afterwards when I am tempted and I do not yield to it. And even when I do yield to temptation and I recover from it, even then I'm stronger. So in a big way, I can even thank God for temptation. Can you thank God for trouble? Sure you can. Because we learn much more for trouble from trouble than we do from our successes. If, I mean, who in here has lived your entire life and never had any troubles? Well, none of us. Even little babies have troubles. Our young children have troubles. Our teens have troubles. Our young adults have troubles. They, I mean, the older you are, the more troubles you've experienced. But how else do we have the knowledge or get the knowledge to be what we need to be for God without going through the troubles? How else does wisdom come but from God as we ask Him? And then, of course, He's going to give us what we need so that we might be ever better for Him. To glorify Him and to wear His name in an honorable way so that others will see who we are, how we think, what we say, and they see our good works and then glorify Him. We know, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that everything will work out for our good. God will see that that happens because we love Him. And we are the called according to His purpose. I'm living my life, I'm praying, God, this is my will, but let your will be done. God, I request this. Don't ever, don't ever back up on letting your desires be made known to God. That's what Paul taught, taught in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Talk to God. Communicate with God. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray and don't ever give up. Even when you don't get what you think you need, when you think you need it. God hears and knows Herein is our faith, herein is our hope, 
that God will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. Now I want to look at the dynamic of prayer. The demand, the description, the direction, and now the dynamic. Dynamic, dynamite. It's the power of prayer. It's actually the power of God that we tap into, that we experience. It's the force of God that we tap into in our lives if we just would. In James chapter 4, the Bible says in the first few verses, you, you fight and you war. You go through all of this trouble and you do not have simply because you do not ask. You have desires, you have needs, you have wants. What are you doing to obtain them? You work hard? You ever said, you know, I work hard day in and day out. I'm just killing myself and I can't seem to make ends meet. I can't seem to get ahead. It's always something. And it could be that you haven't tapped into the true power, the force, the dynamic, the dynamite that could be yours as a child of God, a son of God or a daughter of God. And so herein is what I want to look at in this one verse that was read for us today, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. One verse that, that makes this whole sermon. I desire that people pray everywhere. Because so now we, got, we have God's desire. Yeah, I know it, depending on your translation, some say, I would, I desire that men pray everywhere. He's talking about people, all of us. I desire that everyone pray. But then he gives three words or three little phrases that I want to look at. First one is lifting up holy hands. God desires that you and I, when we come to him, have clean hands. There's even a law that all of our judges recognize in our court system. It's the law of clean hands. For example, a, a, an illegal drug dealer is not paid for the drugs by the man who's buying the drugs. So he sues the man to pay for the illegal drugs. Now, can you be the judge in that court case? You've got an illegal drug dealer in court suing someone for not paying him for the illegal drugs that he sold him. I mean, the judge is looking at the plaintiff and going, Really? There's this thing called the doctrine or teaching or law of clean hands. When you come to court... You better have taken that 
splinter out of your eye before you look over there to the defendant and try to get that beam out of his. Before you throw a stone, you better be qualified to throw the stone. Remember Jesus when the woman was taken in the very act of adultery and all those fellows brought her in and I've always wondered where the, uh, where the man was. I mean, you know you don't commit adultery there in that situation by yourself. But another question, don't know, could be he was in there. But Jesus just simply said, if you have clean hands, be the first to throw the stone. And you know what happened? None of those people stayed around very long. You know why? Because they didn't have holy hands. They were not qualified to stand before the Savior and do what they were attempting that needed to be done. When we come to God, how are we approaching Him? I was thinking of a teenager who needs $40 to go out with her friends. And she comes to her dad and says, Dad, I want $40 and I need three hours with my friends at the mall. And the dad says, is your room clean? Uh, did you ask I mean did you do what your mother asked you to do because I heard her this morning uh, and if I remember correctly last time you went out with your friends and I gave you the $40 you got in trouble So I can't really see how I can literally answer your request with $40 and the time with your friends in this particular situation. But now, would it, wouldn't it be different if the room was cleaned, the laundry was done and put away, and last weekend she had followed the orders? Wouldn't it be a little bit better conversation that this young lady was having with her dad? Wouldn't he be smiling? Wouldn't she be smiling? Wouldn't it be a much easier communication between the two of them? You know it would be. Now, move that a million times over as a conversation between you and me and God. When we approach God, let's approach God with holy hands. You might be saying, now, Mickey, doesn't God ask us to come to Him as we are? Absolutely, with a penitent heart. Now, that young lady can come to her dad and say, Dad, uh, I'm going to ask you for something. I'm going to ask you for $40 and three hours with my friends at the mall. But I want you to know, you don't have to give it to me right now because I am going to take the next hour and I'm going to have the laundry done like Mom said. I should have already done it. I know that, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have my room picked up. And for what happened last weekend, I am certainly sorry about that. And I promise you, if you'll just give me one more chance, 
I'll prove to you that I'm the kind of daughter that you can be proud of. Now, do you see the difference between the first conversation and the second conversation? How the young lady may be coming to God with not very clean hands, but she has a penitent heart. I know that when I pray, and you do too, often we come to God with minds and tongues and hearts that are not the way they should have been to God. But John the Beloved in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us when we come to God and confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when I come to God in prayer, one of the first things I say is, Father, I've not lived the way I should be. There may have been things that I, I've done that I shouldn't have done. There may have been some opportunities I didn't take advantage of. Forgive me from the, for those things. I want to stand before you the way I should. Now I want to read from the Old Testament book of Isaiah a few verses to, 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 to show you God's mind and heart in this situation. What was happening with His people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, back in the Old Testament when, when Isaiah was the prophet, is that they were still keeping the Sabbath days, they were still keeping the feast days, they were still offering animal sacrifices, they were still coming to the temple to do all the things that was supposed to be done according to the law. But then God saw something else. Something maybe that they didn't think He would see. And so we have the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 12 beginning. Just follow along and listen to this. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand? To trample my courts. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I am weary of hearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widows. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. You want to come talk to me? Do something about how you live in your life. You want to come talk to me, young lady? Have the room already cleaned. You want to come talk to me, young lady? 
the laundry should have already been done like your mother asked you to do. You want $40 and three hours at the mall? I gave that to you before, and how did you treat me? How did you say thank you? How have you lived your life this week? You coming to me wanting $40 in three hours? Come to me with holy hands. Come to me with clean hands. And God is saying that about His people. How have you lived your life? It could be that you don't feel like your prayers or we don't feel like our prayers are going past the ceiling because God has said, like He told Israel, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. Don't come to me to pray. I'm not going to hear you. Because you're coming to me with a heart and a mind and a life that's not right. And he says what to do. Learn to do good, not evil. Seek justice. Do what's right, what's fair. Rebuke the oppressor. In other words, stand up for what's right. Defend the fatherless, people that are less fortunate. Have a heart for them. Plead for the widow. You know, Brother Dan, one of our elders, got up and talked about some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are elderly or sickly. And he pleaded with us to say, Look, we have an obligation to take care of people we love. I'm so proud for Josh and Elizabeth to have them a new apartment. And they are so excited about that. So we'll be changing the address. So we'll need to put that on the bulletin board, a new address. And so proud, and I'm proud of those who came and helped move. Because we're taking care of people who love God and whom we love. And I'm sure he's thankful for that too. And all the goodness that we receive from being a Christian. Holy hands. Let's come before God with holy hands. And when we don't have holy hands, let's come before God and the very first thing we do is call upon and rely upon Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world, who sacrificed His very life and shed His very blood that our sins might be forever washed away. And so when we repent and confess our sin before God, He forgives us and makes us right before Him so that we can now pray and let our requests be made known to God with clean hands, holy hands. Secondly, we must, when we come before God in prayer, we must have a heart of peace, a peaceful heart. In Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus takes several verses here of the Bible. And in Matthew 5, he says, when you come to offer a gift to me, like we've done this morning in our worship, we've taken the unleavened bread that represents the body of Jesus. We have drunk the fruit of the vine that represents the blood of Jesus in worship. The offering plate was passed and we dropped into the offering place, plate our gifts back to God and His service, the service of God in this community through this church. 
in Matthew 5, he says, when you come to me to worship, to offer your gift of sacrifice to me, and you remember that you've had an argument with a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, it is so serious when we worship God, if we have an ought or a disagreement between brothers or between sisters or a brother and a sister, he says, leave your gift at the altar. Go and first be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come offer your gift. And so God even has a prescription. If we're going to come before Him in the name of Jesus to have our request be made known to God, we must have a heart of peace. And so we think, is everything all right as far as I'm concerned? You know, the Bible tells us as much as lies in you, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now that, he, you know, there's some men and women you're ju you just can't be at peace with. Do you know some of those people? You probably have some people in your family that way. I do. I mean, try as I can to live at peace or be right with them. It cannot be done. I've done everything I could. Everything I can. Cindy knows. She's part of it because she's in our family. There's some people in my very family that I can't get along with, but they don't get along with anybody. I, they just need Christ in their life. And try as I can, the more I try to let them see Jesus, the more they're blocking Him. So as much as it depends on me, so I'm sitting here going, you know, I would like to work this out, but, you know, I've done everything I can. And so I'm satis not satisfied, I'm contented with that. I'm contented with the fact, I'm at peace with the fact that I have done my part to love this brother or love this sister or love this brother and sister in Christ. I have some of my brothers and sisters in Christ that don't like me very much. Some of them, I guess, don't like me at all. But, but not because I haven't tried and even extended a right hand of fellowship. Now they may take that right hand of fellowship and still have something against me and they may decline it. But at least I've offered it. I want to love you. Let me. Some will, some won't. But I've done everything I can do. And so I'm at peace with that. And of course in Matthew 18, he gives a prescription. If things are wrong, we go to them just one-on-one. -on -one. If a brother or sister won't hear you, you take one or two witnesses with you, that every word may be established. When a brother won't hear you, or sister won't hear you then, then you've got to tell the church. If you have any impact on this brother or sister, help me here. Help them. And if we still can't get it done, then we have to move forward. And content with the fact we've done everything we can. But when we come to God in prayer, we must have holy hands and we must have a peaceful heart. And finally, we must... 
have lived and been living a faithful life. A life of faith. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without prejudice, and it shall be given him or her. But let that one who prays for, for wisdom ask in faith without doubting, without wavering. For he who wavers in his faith, he says, is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. One day you're yes, next day you're no. One day we're here, next day you're there. One day you believe this, next day you believe that. He said, let not that man, let not that woman think he shall receive anything from God. Boy, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Not let, you can pray till you are blue in the face. It's not happening. One translation says, I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or anger and arguments. Here and there. I got my way, you got your way. You don't see it my way, I don't see it your way. We have to agree to disagree. But one thing about God, I don't want to be in disagreement with Him. Do you? You can disagree with me. I can disagree with you. But one thing we have to agree with is this book, right? With God. So when we come before God in prayer, this is the dynamic. This is the dynamite. This is the force. How am I approaching God? With holy hands. When he looks at my heart, what does he see? Does he see a contented heart? A heart that's at peace with myself, with the world. When he looks at my life, does he, does he see faith in him that he is ready, willing, and able to do what I've asked him to do? Well, Brother Mickey preached a, a, a sermon on prayer. So I'm going to give it a try. I don't believe it matters. I don't believe it'll work. But I'm going to give it a try. God, you know what I need, so give it to me. I still don't have it. And you wouldn't get it anyway. Really? Remember, God is past, present, and future. He can, he can look and see your hands, where you've been. He can look and see your heart, how you feel. He can look and see at, at your life, at the choices you have made, are making, and intend to make. When we pray, let's plug in to the power of God. If you're not a Christian, you need to be a Christian. How can God hear you when there's such a big wall that's standing between you and Him? And that wall is called sin. 
We read about that wall in that book Isaiah that we read from a moment ago, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, where he says God's hand is not short that he can't save. His ears not dull or deaf that he can't hear. He can hear and he can help. But there's something between you and him so that he will not hear you and he will not help you. What is it? It's this wall of sin that Jesus came to tear down. So we come to Jesus, all of us who labor and are heavy laden. He will give us what we need. He will give us rest. We then take our yoke upon us and learn from Him. We take His yoke upon us. We learn from Him. For He is meek and lowly in heart. He will give us what we need, rest for our souls. Faith He will give us. Peace He will give us. Cleaning and washing so that our hands will be clean, He will give us. He does that through faith, by grace, through faith. Through the waters of baptism, when you rise to walk in newness of life, a brand new creation, washed clean from everything. Then, oh, the laundry's done. The room's clean. Whatever happened last weekend has been forgiven. Now we can move forward. If you have a need, you can come as we stand together and sing.